Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. I'm wearing slippers and shorts and socks. I'm also what wearing combination? slippers. Also, Josh Brown. Hi, I'm only wearing a t-shirt and a hat. Well, you, you can go off these slippers, mate. Get them on. I don't actually have any slippers, you know. I don't own any. It's, I've wanted to. It's been a it's been a dream of mine to own some slippers and a what do you call those things? A dressing gown for a while. I got the dressing gown <laughs> oh, yes. two years ago. Still no slippers. Still you want to get complete. the slippers, get the dressing gown, and then learn how to make white Russians and just embrace your inner dude. It's the only way to be. Um, but yeah, basically at this point, we kind of did this last week where we um, picked up a bunch of different questions that were left behind from Friday's Untitled Banter podcast to just find stuff to talk about because it is a bit of a summer drought. There's always one every year. Um, and usually there's a bit more, there, there are a few more sort of high profile titles to pick apart across the uh, the summer months, but there's very little going on. So we thought we'd kind of just steer into it um, because I don't know about you guys. Um, I think um, 2014 predates both of you covering games slightly. I think you might have been contributing stuff back then to the website and everything, but this is very 2014 for me right now. This feels like reminding me of the first year of... Um, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, where the game of the year was PT, was a was a playable demo where there was very little going on. Um, and I feel like it was always kind of going to be like this, even without everything that's happened across the last year or so. Um, so we kind of just thought we'd do a 2021 year in review. But just to sort of talk about the state of things right now, um, for either of you, like, what have you guys been playing in this, like, kind of current drought? Have you found old school gems or how have you been spending your time, Mr. Benroy? Uh, well, my time has been spent <laughs> just smashing out Getting a platinum a, a week. Just yeah, I got a hundred chicken dinners this year. I've killed one thousand people in PUBG this year. I'm racking them up. And now I'm never going to get fifty grenade kills. So I'm just going to move up from that. But uh, <laughs> the new games that I've come out this year, like, the big ones, my big ones came up really soon, like Hitman Three and Resident Evil Eight. Like apart from that, like I'm looking forward to a death loop and stuff like that later mm-hmm. in the year. But I'm not gagging for it i'm not like sort of chomping at the bit i'm not sort of like oh i need it now like like uh later late last year we had like the last part two and other things that came out towards mm. the end of the year that sort of had me sort of in anticipation yeah yeah that's fair josh you've been playing uh mundorn i believe Yes, I've, I've been trying to catch up on a on a few things I may have missed this year that slipped under the radar. And Mundon is that's the biggie for me. That's the biggie from this year where I'm like, I'm so pleased I gave a ch- like gave this a chance because it's it's this horror game and um, set um well it's set in Mundon, but it's made by like uh, this this Swiss team. You know, everyone's on the cast speaks like Swiss German. It's mm. very much kind of like eastern uh european like like horror like folklore you know like that kind of like, like kind of like style. midsummer style uh, yeah yeah midsummer style kind of like horror and it's like this first person almost like puzzle game it's got this lovely hand-drawn look to it and i booted it up and i was like oh where have you been my whole life where have you been for the past <laughs> few months that i've i've not known what this thing is so that i've been catching up on that i've been playing the sinking city and also went through 20 so were you playing that late last night yeah, well, I was so well lit. It also been through everybody's gone to the rapture because I've just lost control of my life at this point. I couldn't. And I'm playing everything. I could not believe you'd not played everybody's gone to the rapture. That is like the most indie, like wanky indie game ever. I love it. Like it's one of my favorite, like recent games. But Benroy, quickly, did you play everybody's gone to the rapture or did you run for the hills? Like most. I, I listened to people talk about the wank, but I never actually played it. I think <laughs> I think it's a PS Plus game. I think it's in my library. Yes. But okay. then I've also got Doki Doki Literature Club like downloaded. And I'm going to play that at some point. Wisely. 
Yeah, yeah. The, everybody's got the rapture though. Like, was I mean, it's not like I guess it is like a seminal sort of like walking simulator game. But I think that that's like a really good um, game that shows just how Americanized or very Westernized a lot of like um, you know in-game nomenclature and uh, visuals and stuff are. Like, you don't realize how English a little village can look until you see it inside. Everybody's gone to the rapture, and like, um, Josh, what were your takeaway thoughts from it? Yeah, my takeaway thoughts are it's good. It's 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 good because um, you know back in the day when it came out, like I loved what the studio had done previously, and I'm like I'm a big fan mm. of walking simulators anyway. But I just kind of like didn't gel with it. You know, I, I kind of like like Ben Roy, you know, watch things about it, watch video essays on it, watched you know some early playthroughs of like the opening levels and stuff to see if it was going to be my thing. And there was something about it then that I just couldn't grasp with it, grasp it, grasp at all. Mm. And I think part of that was the Britishness you're talking about. Like back in the day, like that's just kind of like not the vibe I wanted. I didn't want this kind of like small town, very English, you know, oh, chums, we're going out for a cup of tea at dinner time kind of like vibe. But as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went into it this time, like really respecting the the craft of it, you know, like the visually, it still holds up like five, six, whatever, how many years it is later. Mm -hmm. And walking around, you know, getting to know the echoes of these characters, like the character relationships in it are so good. I still... There's part of me that doesn't love it. There's things that I don't like in it in terms of the mm. story. But for like a chill five-hour, you know, jog through the country, getting involved in this kind of weird sci-fi story, I was like, there are far more worse ways to spend your time than experiencing this. It's very true. I remember thinking that it was a beautiful game. I remember loving um, Jessica Curry's score. That was the thing that got her like a radio show to sort of celebrate video game music. And I remember loving that game overall. Um, my thing would just be thrown in. I've been playing Solitaire Conspiracy, which is just, it's uh, the latest one from Mike Bithell, who did Thomas Was Alone in Volume. And he just thought, why not attach a story to uh, a game of Solitaire, which works ah, surprisingly well. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that to come to PlayStation because mm. I think my Switch is in retirement unless it's Christmas now at this point. So, <laughs> But that's one I've got my eyes on as well it's neat i mean yeah it's, it's really weird because greg miller is the uh the like the spy operative who's talking to you so it's like if you've been watching greg miller over the years obviously i go way back to ign days kind of thing and um, he's now this like leader of this spy company trying to tell you that all these different <laughs> operatives need your help and everything and each suit of cards is a different group of people and you put in the stacks together is them completing missions and it's a whole thing and um, so there's that also been living on judgment i thought i'd do another playthrough i wanted to get the ps5 vision and um, which is 35 english pounds they called it an upgrade it's not an upgrade you're just buying the game again but i was just I'm like you know so just... pleased you've said this scott because obviously you've been playing judgment you like yeah. josh played judgment and after yeah. seeing the trailer for the sequel the other night at the state of player i was like hell yeah this yeah. is the time i want to give this a go but i want to play the playstation 5 version went on so it was so expensive and got a bit worried i was like is it going to be worth it should i just get i'm pretty sure like the the original game is like free on playstation 4 i think it might be on playstation now so i can download it through Ooh. there I'm, I'm not entirely certain but i think that's what i saw uh -huh. but because i'm just like a sucker for the best possible experience i want the playstation well, 5 so, that version. Was my so thing. is it worth it friend is it worth oh yeah, it? yeah like that game is a million percent worth it if you've not played it before um obviously i would recommend the ps5 version the new lighting engine is really really nice it does like run at like 4k 60 and stuff um those are nice improvements i think if you just want to experience the game the core of the game you still get that from the ps4 one because the main hook of that game um, you know, it is the city, it is how detailed the city is, but it's the story. Like, that game has one of the best stories that Ryu Gakutoku Studio have ever put together. And, like, yeah, I mean, I recommend that game top to bottom. Just any any Yakuza game and Judgment as well. Um, they're both brilliant. But in terms of what the main meat of this podcast is, which is to go back to some stuff uh, from across 2021, we'll touch on some games later if we have time, but um, I wanted to throw in some, uh, some big sort of, like, news-based talking points because a lot of these things feel like they happened years ago. Um, do you guys remember uh, the Lucasfilm games coming back was this January. That feels like it was 2019, <laughs> 2018. Um, but that was actually towards the end of January. Lucasfilm games came back. We got Indiana Jones announced from Bethesda um, as the publisher. Machine Games are developing it. And we know that there's going to be an open world Star Wars game from Ubisoft's massive team, which is who put together the, uh, the division. Um, so yeah, all that stuff happened in January, which kind of like blew open the whole idea that EA had the monopoly on Star Wars games. Um, what do you guys think of that and where we are right now? It's not like Star Wars is kind of in the conversation as much. Um, but like, do you have any? Do you have high hopes from either the combo of Bethesda and Machine Games, or do you, I, do you trust Ubisoft to not mess this up sideways? I want to know what Benroy has to say about this because stalking <laughs> his letterbox over the weekend, I saw that he'd watched the original <laughs> Indiana Jones trilogy, so I'm Sorry. sure he's got biting hot takes for this. After 
I almost felt like we almost bumped into Harrison Ford in like the Weatherspoons the other week. He was up here to everyone listening around the world. He was randomly in the exact vicinity where we live and we still couldn't find him. And um, I've just been going through them because Indiana Jones 5 is in the work. Well, Indiana Jones 4. Do we talk about the real Indiana Jones 4? (laughs) Who knows? But um, I've never really delved into the actual games, especially Mm. the ones on Xbox, because I didn't own an original Xbox. It was like uh, the friends. But I want to see what they can do with Indiana Jones. I feel like if there's any hope, I don't want to see it so dismal and despair, but there's any hope for Indiana Jones, it could be in the game space. And Mm -hmm. we've had so much from Nathan Drake. We've had so much from Lara Croft. And good old Indy hasn't had so much of a shout out recently. So I want to see that it's going to be what this gen, it won't probably won't come to the last gen at this point. And mm. yeah, I just want to be able to, I feel like kids just have a few different things like the whip and shooting. And I feel like I have a different air of charm and character to it that I'm just looking forward to. And I crave right now. Would it make or break either of you if it was first person? Cause I really don't want a first person indie game. Like I, cause it's machine games developing and like they're sort of Wolfenstein and they're known for first person stuff. Um, it will be satisfying enough, but I think those mechanics work better. In third. I think, I think it'd be fair because that like at the same time when we went from Killzone to horizon where they, the gorilla made that shift, I think they can make the shift and they might even want to make that shift at this mm. point. I mean, if not, Bethesda games, especially the in-house ones, have been famous for just click a button and you can go between first and third, which True. I, when I play those games, I always jump between them as I can. Mm-hmm. But I, when I get the option to jump perspective, I'm always bouncing in and out in a weird way. I don't mm-hmm. know if that happens with you too. No, totally. I, I like it when it's baked into a game, when it's like, like Rainbow Six Vegas style, where you can kind of like, you go into cover and it changes. But um, Josh, what's your thoughts on uh, indie coming back? Yeah, I mean, you know, to answer your first person question, like, I mm. think I agree with Roy. I think they will do it third because, you know, like Tomb Raider, like Uncharted, I feel like it's going to be in that ilk somewhat. However, I wouldn't say no to a first person indie game. Like you say, cracking that whip, you know, <laughs> in first person, firing off, putting jumping between on. vines, putting your hat on, whatever the hell else Indiana Jones does, run away from boulders like you're in Resident Evil 4. You can do all that in um, first person. And I feel like machine games, you know, I'd rather them do what they're comfortable with you know mm. they've obviously shown they're comfortable with first person games so if that's the take they want to go down that's the, that's the route they want to go down i mean like i'd be okay for that and in terms of indiana jones coming back i feel like you know sure why not <laughs> in the video game space like i was never into the indiana jones games you know when i was a kid i don't even think i played the lego ones and um, just oh, the lego ones the are great because because obviously India Jones deals with Nazis in those games. So instead of the swastika and their Lego game, it was just a frowny face inside the little <laughs> logo. And just, oh, yeah. That pops me every time I saw it. That was part Goodbye, of the, the golden age of those old school Lego games where they didn't have the voice clips from the movies yeah. as well. So you just had to sort of act through stuff with lots of um, different random actions. But where are either you guys out on Star Wars stuff? Because I just keep forgetting Star Wars even exists for the most part. I think I'm completely checked out at this point. But like in combining <laughs> it with Ubisoft, it's not like it's that studio that's going to bring me back in. But um, where are you guys at on that stuff? Quickly, I'll just say, imagine like when Master Chief goes to sleep and he's just floating away. I'm just waiting for someone something to come and wake me up again. I'm going to watch the book of Boba Fett probably because right. I love a bit of Boba Fett, even though that's like basically a toy for the most part of its existence. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, we can just all go sleep for a while and just, you know, chill out. And like, <laughs> we, shh, shh, it's Battlefront 2. You, you're too big. You can't fit on my PS5. Go away. Just pull me out <laughs> when, it's, when it's ready, when it's time. Yeah. I'm here for more Star Wars stuff. You know, I, I never, I didn't love you, um, the the last movie, Rise of Skywalker. I didn't love it at all. In fact, you know, I really <laughs> didn't like a lot of it. I haven't watched it again. The only Star Wars movie I haven't watched more than what one time are owned on Blu-ray. Claude, the big slug, wasn't it? Uh, one of oh, the greatest yeah. characters of all time. <sighs> Claude, who could have been a whole uh, thing, but he was in like one hey. scene. And then just gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, is why is he even but, in that movie? I don't. I don't know. We could. We could. This could be Somehow the Rise of Skywalker Palpatine cast. Has returned. Somehow Palpatine has returned. If you wanted to, we could talk at length about this. I, it I was did, worth I it for that. It was that. worth it for old Granddad Palpatine just going gurgling up his throat. <laughs> yes, I'm here. <laughs> that said, though, I'm not done with it at all. You know, like if a right. movie came out now, I'd be there day one. I'd be there for it. I feel like Star Wars movies. You know, even though they tried to kind of MCUify them with the you know the, the star wars stories like world one and solo and stuff mm-hmm. like i feel like they feel like an event when they come out you know they, they never feel kind of like throwaway even when they do you know it feels like there's a talking point there. there's always stuff to latch onto, and because of that i've never sort of fallen out of love with it i might kind of like like you guys sort of 
feel like Master Chief floating through space at times until something comes along. A big Star Wars-shaped asteroid comes and whacks me in the face. <laughs> we but, like, I'm always here for the games. Like I feel like the games have been getting into the swing of things recently with, like you said, Battlefront 2 coming around. I really, really love Jedi Fallen Order. Squadrons I've got downloaded yet to play because I kind of want to play it in VR. But, you know, mm. for the most part, they seem like three very solid games and very promising for the future. That said, it is Ubisoft doing an open world, potentially live service version of this, which doesn't fill me with joy. As well, I mean, it's the massive team as well, so I kind of wonder how much they're bringing across the division stuff. Like, if you do like a more like a more blaster heavy Star Wars game, you because it's you can't do. Could you do like a massive open world Ghost of Tsushima style like melee focused lightsaber game? Like that'd be kind of cool, but yeah, I don't, know if I don't think it... for it. Just look at the old Clone Wars cartoons and take some vibe from that, and then I think you could throw that into <laughs> yeah, like like just one of the episodes where Mace Windu's just running around his own killing like. A billion battles, I don't know. If they did like an open world cell shaded thing, kind of like what Sable looks like, like that's really untapped territory in terms of matching that art style with that sort of game. That'd be really cool. Um, to do another blast from the past, to revisit things from February, that was when Stadia cancelled all their exclusives and everything fell apart. Oh, again, Stadia stuff feels like it was last year, but um, that they like it all closed down. All the exclusive stuff got cancelled. Everything that was in progress got cancelled. But Google Stadia is still a thing, but they're sort of just publishing any ideas that people want to get on the platform. Um, but the thing I wanted to talk about in amongst all this was that we did find out that Hideo Kojima had an episodic horror game that was in production that he was talking about bringing together that would be a cloud-based horror game. Um, and I think it was going to be like an episodic thing as well, which is kind of just whatever that is, who even knows. Um, but where you guys are on, I guess, Hideo Kojima, he's obviously got the um, Death Stranding Director's Curse coming out later that got announced um, at the State of Play, and there's things like that. So um, what's your general thoughts on, I guess, Google Stadia, cloud streaming, and where Kojima's at as well, Mr. Josh? Uh, it's kind of like, you know, the, the first of the demise of the stadio, at least in terms of first party support like that, mm. was writing was on the wall for ages. The fact yeah. that they turned down that Kojima game, allegedly, the announcement. Um, also mad. But the silver lining is that apparently, according to the rumors, Xbox and Microsoft have picked up Kojima's horror game and will be publishing that on Game Pass. Mm. So if that's the thing that kind of rises from the ashes of the stadio closure, that'll be cool. Because if there's one person I want to see convince me that cloud gaming is a thing and good and worth it kojima's the the dude for it i think you know he's yeah. taken concepts in the past that i might have looked at and thought you're an absolute crazy person for trying this it's not going to appeal to anyone and it might not appeal to anyone but i feel like he can make it good you know i feel <laughs> like he's he's got enough there he's obviously got you know a drive to make a horror game after so many of his attempts well one of his attempts but two technically including mm -hmm. this if it doesn't get revived have been cancelled you know he's trying to make it he's trying to make a horror game for a long time so i just want to see whatever form that is whatever form it takes i'm, go I'm going to be there he i hope like... my xbox series x comes back in stock before then so i can play it, i also you know? hope for that I, I just very quickly he is an insane figure considering that death stranding didn't really sell that well it dropped the hell off the top 10 even one week into launch and we all all three of us loved that game me less so towards the very end of it but the actual process of getting through that game was incredible and it feels like he just sort of got out there and said here's more stuff for, for the director's cut, which obviously now he said it's not a director's cut, but in terms of like, they're going to do race tracks and they're going to have a, um, a cargo cannon and they're going to have these like running things with legs that will run alongside you. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, we're all there for it again. We're all like, yeah, Kojima, bring it on. But um, he's like such an enigma. He's such an anomaly in regards to everything else. But um, yeah, Benroy, what's your thoughts on the idea of Kojima focusing on horror stuff or doing more director's cut Death Stranding stuff? Well, first of all, I just want to say, I don't know what they mean by cloud gaming. They just mean gaming, which is just on, not on a console. Like how, what, what makes it special about it being in the cloud? Is, is it going to, is it going to go to my phone at the same time and scare me from there when I'm playing on something else? Oh, I'm so. going to go to my fridge one day when it has a screen on it and Kojima's <laughs> going, oh, and just get me there like that. Like what's... He would I, do that, though, to be fair. He would do that, yeah. They would be like, you've got to open your fridge before you can go in here because it's got to be cold. <laughs> but um, at the same time... Yeah, Death Stranding's one of those ones like I can't play that for a while because I feel like I, I don't know I just got did sucked into the emotions of all it yeah yeah I did I right. gave it like a, a two month break and went back and did that like a few well, a few months afterwards but that was almost another game in itself because that was a very technical uh, find Sam Lake simulator sort of thing where you had to just go around and deliver things one after the other and make people happy and go back and realize all my roads have got a billion likes because I played this. <laughs> like I just smashed through that game in like three days and just didn't sleep. If I mm -hmm. but yeah, Josh, did you platinum it as well? I was just thinking like, are you the guys going to go back to it now that you've platinumed it or does it feel like that thing is done? 
mm. I'm going to go back to it because I didn't platinum it. If I right. did, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I would have gone back. You know, I was talking to, I was talking to everyone's favorite Adam Nicholas about it because he recently got into it. Up, yeah. And he's, just uh, platinumed it, and now the director's cuts come out. Come out, and he's like, "Oh God, why? Why couldn't have this just been like a few months earlier? I could have got a PlayStation Five for it or whatever." And mm-hmm. um, but I'm definitely gonna go back. I like the additions that they've got. Like you said, all of the mad new items, and I feel like I've got some unfinished business with the platinum. So I'm excited to go through the story again mm-hmm. and just you know polish off everything that uh, I didn't do the first time. It's mm-hmm. a great way to go in there and either experience like the just the atmosphere again or just throw a podcast on in this ever-growing list of podcast games but um, at the same time i just with the cloud stuff i as someone who has an on live do you ever know what the on live was like it was no. the thing it came out like it was before sony bought gaikai and it was okay. a, it was the it was an attempt at doing like online game game oh, about mean, that, like orange logo thing yeah, someone did my way into getting a press pass once at a Eurogamer event and then just got the on live and never used it and sat in the cupboard. And I think that lasted longer than Stadia did with first party support. <laughs> mm. So I at the same time, like I, I giggle when the fact that Stadia's already done because it seems like they just managed poorly, but at the same time, is it gonna exist as just this weird library of stuff that you can buy off it and play off it like how long until the doors are shut do we say a year or maybe two or is it like i'm trying to think what the last because for me the last thing that google really put their money behind where it was like oh my god this thing is happening was i think google glass where they they had they actually had the prototypes made and they were trying to convince everybody this is the future these vr goggles that we'd walk around with and that went completely sideways as well so obviously there is the google graveyard website that tracks everything but i feel like they'll give it another couple of years because i guess it's easy money like i mean if you're google maybe those servers are online anyway so it's just like well we might as well monetize it and stuff but it feels like it's such a massive wasted opportunity to bring it right back around to the kojima horror thing because all the all the evidence, unless you want to get lost down the abandoned Hassan Karaman like hole, is that <laughs> Kojima is not doing as Silent Hill. He's not doing a horror game. Do you guys think that is a missed opportunity? That can, like, what do you guys, would you guys have wanted him to bring across? I mean, Microsoft could be doing it, but I guess like whatever ideas Kojima has for a horror game that he's had since 2014, um, is it just a massive insane thing to not get that in some form? I think so. I think that's why we'll see Microsoft pick it up mm. in some form you know I, I feel like those rumors kind of like have to be true you know they're, they're making acquisitions the letter Ko- of kojima intent. productions yeah kojima productions is you know still an independent studio even though they do have this relationship with sony and if sony's not going to do it why wouldn't they go to like the the next um you know big mm. competitor who has even more money that they will to throw at it to sell game pass or whatever and i feel like you know a horror game from kojima is something that we've all wanted as kojima fans for a long time however i think the silver lining is if it doesn't happen all of those ideas get used somehow. Like nothing goes yeah. to waste in terms of Kojima's kind of like creativity. You know, we saw a lot of PT in Silent Hills. We even saw some of PT in Metal Gear Solid Five. We certainly see a lot of Metal Gear in Death Stranding. You know what I mean? So I mean, sorry, sorry, Silent Hills um, in Death Stranding. I meant before. Yes, um, yes. And like all of these ideas do kind of like show up in some form at one point or another. And I feel like even if like this exact game doesn't get made, we're going to see some of those ideas, some of those kind of, you know, concepts that were on the table show mm-hmm. up in whatever the hell he does next. He's definitely wanting to do a horror game. Like you could tell that in Death Stranding, like the, the bits in Death Stranding where you're taking on the BTs, like go, it goes full horror where you're just these invisible enemies, you're trying to find these different ghosts and stuff. Um, to quickly entertain the Hassan Karaman stuff, because initially um, that whole idea of them revealing whatever this game is, this because it's Blue Box Studios, the creative director is Hassan Karaman, um, Karaman translates to Hideo if you go from Turkish to Japanese. And the whole thing was that they were putting out this app that you could download on PlayStation and whatever this game actually is, they said its real name begins with S, ends in L, which is what set it all off to be Silent Hill. Um, that's now been pushed forward again back to, well, it's to the end of July. It was going to be in August when this app was available. But apparently you can da- you can preload it now, or they've at least said on Twitter that it's coming out for July 29th. Um, where are you guys at on that stuff? What do you think this thing is? Has it got anything to do with Silent Hill? Or is it all just some crazy marketing from ostensibly someone who is as inventive as Kojima, but everyone's just kind of going like, well, you're not Kojima. So the, what the hell is this? The first for anything Kojima, anything Silent Hill, I think they just got pulled into it like a Sarlacc mm. pit. And now he's going to be <laughs> digested for the next thousand years. I mean, I feel sorry for the guy at the same time, but I don't think it's got anything to do with that. And I think it's like... Unless, unless there's it's the maddest conspiracy ever, and they hired this guy years ago. But I think That's it's thing. it's just falling on its ass. And at the same time, in a way, like I 
I'm not a grump, but like if I hear Silent Hill and I don't see anything official from Konami, I don't see a logo I say, I am at this point, I don't care. Leave me, leave me alone. I don't want to know until it's like like it's been itself, right? Leave yeah. me alone unless it's an actual <laughs> game or and like unless unless you're gonna put one of them into a live service. It's it's so far gone, but I'm actually happy that Kojima's probably not doing a Silent Hill because mm. that means we'll get his Kojima ideas. I think Josh said this. Well, I do... And we'll get a Silent Hill eventually. So we'll get two of them. And the, we have to always remember as well, there's more bad Silent Hill than good. Like the <laughs> yeah. only reason everyone's gagging for this Silent Hill is because it's not been around for a long time. But um, when I went back and did a, a video on like the, the rise and fall of it like, last mm. year, you realize just how much guff there was. <laughs> and when they turned it into a top down dungeon crawling Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. But I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not like people were losing their minds over downpour or shattered memories or anything. Exactly, like, it yeah. Wasn't proper like a down a down sway. And um, before I go to Josh, though, like just to quickly mention the Silent Hill stuff, there is the whole thing um, that Blueber Team are working. Assumedly, it's Blueber Team working on a Silent Hill. They've uh, uh, reached an agreement on it. The other Silent Hill, because there's two games in development, is coming from a prominent Japanese studio. Um, so we assumedly that's what the actual Silent Hill IP is doing. It's that'll be at some point in the future. But Josh, what's your thoughts on all this abandoned? weird side kojima nonsense nah, man i think it was i think it was something that was really fun for about five minutes where it kind of looked like something might have happened and everyone was eight minutes on it. you'll find on youtube but eight minutes sorry you know, the exact eight minutes it took us to do that news video and like jason schreier was waking up and be like i think this might be a thing that was what did it was him saying yeah. it was real because everyone's like totally. well, if he thinks it then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean there were a few other like industry people as well you know so mm-hmm. everyone was kind of like buying into it i was buying into it i was like if i don't think it's gonna happen but at least it was fun <laughs> it's i don't think it's fun anymore and i kind of feel bad right. for the developers and i'm like Same. let them make their own game you know don't want to have this kind of like cloud hanging over them i hope abandoned whatever it is just just turns out well i hope it it, it, it turns out it is something that horror fans can you know enjoy that i'll maybe play and enjoy as well and i'm just like you know we, we've, we've had our fun no see that's the thing is like i would feel sorry i do feel sorry for the the way that they are like right now having to fend off a lot of people that are going like look your game is destined to now suck because it's not this thing i that's a whole weird overreach fan overreach thing but at the same time um, Blue Box were the ones who tweeted out the real name of our game begins with S, ends with L, and they haven't followed that up. Like they did that tweet saying we have nothing to do with Hideo Kojima, um, nothing to do with Silent Hill, but they then could have clarified and said, well, actually, it's this, and not let it carry on. And I think somewhere along the way is a half calculated PR move of like, well, look how me- how much engagement all of our tweets are getting. Look how much general interest there is. If only we can pilot this and stick the landing. And I feel like it's such, it's like a razor thin tightrope that they're walking. And right now they're still on top of that tightrope. Um, but it's fascinating because I'm just, we're all waiting for this like app reveal thing uh, coming in a couple of weeks. And I, maybe it is another Hideo, maybe he is an actor. Like it's just, that stuff does seem crazy. But at the same time, I don't know why they wouldn't clarify all of it because the whole, what actually the game is, is still up in the air. It's kind of their fault in that way for doing that and yeah. leaning into it and then having nothing. But then like, <laughs> if anyone, if anyone's a bit crazy and then abuse them for it, then they're an idiot. Yeah. But like at the same time, you, you lean into this and you have nothing and you then go, oh God, we're going to delay stuff. Then I, I almost don't, I can't have sympathy if it's a bad move and you just, you 
you made the bad move there. You should have done it. Yeah, I think it's incredibly ambitious if you can make it work. I'm just so curious what this thing actually is, because if it was ultimately always just a very small scale uh, first person, you know, horror indie project, then that's that's brilliant. All the power to them. But I am super curious how it all shakes out in the end. Um, one thing I was going to touch on is um, the way that EA Originals have kind of come into their own this year, which is kind of something that is very much like hardly ever being talked about. But, you know, we got the, the next game from Joseph Farris, obviously started with Brothers of Tale of Two Sons, then, you know, joined the EA Originals program and did, I think actually, I was trying to think whether Brothers was initially on the EA Originals program. I think he joined and then did A Way Out. I'm pretty sure A Way Out was so his like, first. Was it not the Summer one. of Arcade? I'm just thinking of the, the publishing partners. Like, Well, uh, Brothers was made by uh, Starbreeze, but I guess he was part of them back then. So it was I before think brother he... was that was like PlayStation was there was that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that was, that was, like, that was, yeah in terms of who put the, the the money up for it anyway the yeah. EA originals program definitely funded a way out um because that was when he fully became Hazelight Studios and then this year we got um it takes two which sold extremely well and you know he got he's got to be out there as this more sort of notable auteur um EA originals also um funded Unravel one and two uh, and this year's Knockout City which um came from Velen Studios so I'm just I'm kind of just looking at that stuff and it's like you know we we bag on EA a lot like completely deservedly. Um, but I feel like there was that whole statement last year about how they were investing money in the right kind of projects. They wanted to address their reputation. Um, you know, they were putting money into uh, granting Skate Skate 4 to be real again. And it was like, look, here's all this stuff where we've taken all these different indie projects, um, you know, like to different degrees of production and managed to get them over the finish line. And all these games are great. Like, you know, A Way Out, It Takes Two, both Unravel games, especially two, and Knockout City. They are all brilliant games that wouldn't exist without this, um, you know, little like funding uh, mandate or whatever. And just, I kind of wanted you to shout that out. What's your guys' general thoughts on, I guess, like EA's reputation? Not that I, I don't think it saved them at all in terms of overall EA, but I think it's worth highlighting that they have actually managed to put some of their money into a good place. I, uh, first off, EA Originals, yes, I think that's like such a great thing. They've had mm. that for like the past few years. Like you said, I feel like a lot of the games that have come out of that system have been, you know, really good, really resonant, really interesting, really original and creative, you know, <laughs> at yeah. the same time. But we talk about wider EA, I'm not, in the place where I can give them any gold stars or any pat on the no. back or anything until I've seen the actual fruits of the labor to see what games come out, what how Skate 4 looks, how Mass Effect looks, how Dragon Age looks, mm. how all of these different titles that they're apparently putting into development, you know, work when they actually release, but more importantly, how they continue to support those franchises and how they continue to support those styles of games going forward because you know it's it's important to like look back to 2008 for instance you know back in 2007 back in 2008 we had this whole thing with EA being you know voted the worst company in America and you know rightly so they were getting you know criticized for making crappy licensed games for <laughs> you know just pumping out the same franchises for not doing anything creative and then they answered with two really good games they answered with Dead Space 1 they answered with Mirror's Edge and suddenly it was like holy crap, like EA is doing this big boom of creativity, like they're investing in new IP and mm. it's paying off. And it did pay off for a year, for like a year, oh, for so like you... maybe two years. And then they slowly started peeling them yes. back. We didn't get a new Mirror's Edge. Dead Space 2 was really good. And then they started meddling with Dead Space 3. Skate was really good. And then Skate fell off. You know, we had all these, these franchises come up and then immediately go back down in favor of Battlefield Hardline, which was all right, considering it was visceral <laughs> games. But, you know, there's a very pivot into what year became over the 2010s after that the 2010s is definitely the darkest period that that the timeline that you laid out there i guess i would also throw in like the likes of the bond games the lord of the and all, this is going before 2007 ish but like they were on more of a pedestal like they had like that they had the simpsons tie-in game they had the bond games lord of the rings games like that was a, a wider sort of period of like good quality ea funded stuff um, but yeah, like you said, the worst company in America, they got voted twice. Obviously, Mass Effect 3 Rage uh, factored into that stuff. And it has been a, like for the main EA studios, it's been like a very dark time. It's been very obvious where they've like stepped in, where the publisher deals and uh, publisher mandates have stepped in. Um, but it's just that they have a little wing of the company that has been done, is doing all right. And it's just like shining a little spotlight over there, even though there's roaches everywhere else. But um, Benro, what's your thoughts on EA right now? I would say they're more of the going up a little incline at the moment because there's promise of this new dead space stuff and all that mm -hmm. uh, but and i would say probably uh activision's worse off than them right now like killing everyone off and put them into call of duty farms again and like after <laughs> we had promising remakes and like crash horror and stuff so i think they're not the best but i think like they're probably doing better than activision right now in terms of like mind share and all that and at the same time though i would say that then then how much is it to upgrade fifa 2020 
two like it's well they, that's the whole thing i mean <laughs> four it's... grand to get the uh, <laughs> the actual edition on ps5 and things like that so there's that mess but yeah it's nice to have the originals they wouldn't exist without ea and they don't they don't make the ea the money that ea need they they create the the will of goodness that ea I think, wants. yeah i think my thing is being like genuinely surprised by how accomplished it takes two is like i mean yeah. that's obviously down to Faris and the and the hazelight team um, but also Knockout City, like that thing could have been monetized to death. And like it is, there is still- They a, knew it was this big, they probably would have. <laughs> Maybe. But it's still, you've still got to pay um, once you get past the first like 20 levels on PlayStation, but it's on Game Pass right now. Um, but like other than that, you can play for a bit, but like, yeah, it starts monetizing after that. But um, having been playing it on Game Pass the whole time, like I'm like level 65 now or something, um, and they've not asked for any money at all. And it's just like, that's such a sharp change for where EA sort of used to be. Um, but like um, Josh said, the proof's going to be in the pudding in terms of like how much actual space do they give the likes of Bioware or the new Dead Space team or things like that, um, which are yet to have been shown off. Assumedly, we'll get to see the new Dead Space before the end of the month. Um, but I guess in general, like it, like it was such a long time ago since EA were like a force for good, like all those titles that we cited from the 2000s. Do you think long enough timeline they get back to that or is there just too much money on the table to be made through microtransactions, DLC, segmenting everything? Much. I think it's too much money. I think it's too much money. And, <laughs> you know, inevitably the people at the top are going to change. And it's like the gaming industry is so like secular, you know, like we always go around in these different cycles. We always end up where we were mm. having the same conversations that we had 10 years ago. When we think a problem's been solved, it pops back up again. There was one from this year that I can't remember that. I could not believe we were still talking about it. It was absolutely outrageous. But <laughs> that's for another video, I suppose. Um, you know, yeah. I think they can, you know, get better, certainly. And I don't want to just completely write them off in case I jinx it and then they do just continue to be like the worst forever. But I do also agree... as well, don't want to just say that just because they've greenlit the uh, EA original stuff and they've managed to get what is now five games, very solid games in a row, um, that doesn't excuse all the horrific other stuff that they've done. Just to throw Oh, totally, it. yeah. 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 But I feel like, you know, it's very cynical, but to make those games, like it's it's very much for, it's very much for good PR. Like, like Ben Roy yeah. said, like they're yeah. not making like loads of money. They're not making the money EA want. They're making good games and I'm so pleased, even if the motive is cynical, that we do get them. I think that is great that we have it, but you know, it's very much to be like, look, we're not, we're not <laughs> totally the bad guys. Look what we make. And that said, I do agree with Roy and have done for like years now that their Activision is by far worse. Yeah. And I think the only reason that Activision doesn't take as much flack or didn't up until recently when, especially when, you know, Blizzard start making all of these mistakes is that they just didn't have like a human like front like it was very much right. like activision is this kind of like you know faceless company yeah people know bobby Kotick, but like you don't see him at like you know e3 you don't see him come out and talk to the gamers in the same way that you see the ea ceos come out and talk yeah, to Andrew you know, they, uh, yeah they humanized in a completely different way and i feel like that makes you know the kind of the conflict between them and the people who play the games kind of like more intense and it allows or it did allow for the longest time activision to just get away with so much they don't get away with as much as they did now no. anymore but like for the longest time when ea was getting voted like the worst company in america like activision was like doing equally as bad stuff but <laughs> yeah. with kind of like lesser franchises you know there's no, also not less well. franchises less but be less beloved franchises yeah yeah you know? there's also as well just to throw in like battlefield 2042 is going to be a 70 pound multiplayer only game which that mm. price tag exists only because it's a bankable brand it should be free to play um because they're going to monetize the living hell out of it going forward forward anyway oh what's, what's that face for what's that max Payne oh. face for I mean, I, I get that 70, 70 quid for a, you know, multiplayer only game is quite steep, but free to play. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. If, oh, do, I don't know. There's, there's ways to intelligently monetize free to play stuff like the likes yeah. of Pokemon Go, the likes of Knockout City. But um, yeah, I mean, Ben, what's your thoughts on EA going forward before I throw in some more things? Uh, I'll just wait and see, to be fair. Like, I'm not really <laughs> in the EA sphere. Like, I'll, I'll dive in for the Star Wars games, but I've been out of that relationship for a while. Like me, me and the air have been like, yeah, we're, we're all right. We're, we're cool. Let's just leave each other alone. But Dead Space comes back. I'm back in there for that. But I just... that's, that's very much the, the proof in the pudding thing is like, yeah, they don't they redo Dead Space well. A lot of their wider games that I loved were licensed stuff and they're never going to make those again. And like things like Battle of Middle Earth are lost the time unless you have the discs. <laughs> so, you know, who at the same time, like, I, I'll wait and see. Bring back Red Alert. Give me some more of that. Get, <laughs> get Ric Flair fighting a bear again. Resurrect Visceral and let them just make a thing. But um, yeah, the overall thing that I want to talk about next was just the general, you know, the console stuff. Because it's like, you know, we saw 
Um, you know, Sony finally got out there and confirmed what everyone thought anyway, that God of War Ragnarok is going to be on PS4. Um, they've said that, you know, for the rest of this year, they don't know if Horizon Forbidden West can actually hit its date for 2021. <clears throat> Which means that the only two PlayStation 5 exclusives for the rest of this year are Deathloop and Stray, from what I can see. Um, Xbox, on the Xbox side, rather, they've kind of just, you know, they're sort of just riding this year out. And very well, like, they, you know, Game Pass is an insane deal. Um, and they're very much just like, even if you have an old school Xbox, you can stream new stuff on there. And uh, they're just going to sort of like hang with Game Pass for the rest of the year. Um, the bigger talking point is the Nintendo OLED Switch, which just sort of landed with a thud uh, after the amount of time that people were looking forward to a Nintendo Switch it's... Pro. And all three of them together are like not doing very well this year. That Switch thing is just like the Game Boy Advance SP. They get a black, uh, no, a backlight. Like, oh, now it's got a backlight. Oh, I've spent another 50, 50 pounds. <laughs> like, that, at this point, I just see Nintendo and don't really expect much unless they do a new thing and then they'll just do seven updates, which you don't really need. Mm-hmm. Uh, say that, but the, the, the Switch that doesn't come apart, I guess it's good for kids and people that want a cheaper Switch. But like with the other stuff, like, the you say the PS5 stuff. I, I, I'm not really two more games. This year. I was I was shocked that definitely was it was only this gen. I thought it was mm. going to go last gen. So that was actually a, a surprise, which was pleasant to me because that's something that I'm looking forward to because Arcane do good stuff. Stray, uh, cat game. I want to see. I don't have a cat right now. I would like a cat. So get me in there <laughs> day one. I'll I'll buy the season pass of Strays and get all the Strays. Mm-hmm. But the, it, two more games this year seems fine when it's. Uh, the circumstances we are in and uh the fact that it's not like previous games where you just can't play the old stuff on the thing at the same time well, see the, the thing that i think is interesting with like sony is that like obviously you know it's, it's been like over a year ago since the whole believe in generations thing but i feel like they had a really <laughs> strong launch and then it's kind of been a strange thing where they've sort of like they've sort of just ambled through the year and sort of made these reactionary responses to different things there's all the conversation around them reapproaching you know uh what is ostensibly dlc and calling it a director's cut so they can get around the fact that they don't have an, an inbuilt way for you to upgrade saves unless yeah. each individual developer wants to put a, a cloud server in their game like the likes of avengers have had to do so i feel like you know kojima saying like yeah it's not a director's cut it's add-on content that is now being called that um, kind of just let slip their hand, which is like to say that they are going to go back to these games and do these like PS5 versions, but with a premium price tag, like Ghost of Tsushima is already getting, you know, talked about because of its price. And the director's gut thing, just to jump in there, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's funny because that just seems like their new version of saying Game of the Year edition, but it's the director's <laughs> gut. And, yeah. But I might about it, but it's, if they do the Last of Us remake, which I've said, I'll buy it because I want the Last of Us to look pretty. I don't care, like, sure bad they could do I, I can't wait to have the best trilogy in gaming which is the last of us on ps3 the last of us on ps4 remastered and the last of us on ps5 like i hey, can't wait for the greatest G- trilogy ga5 on xbox 360 xbox one and xbox hey i'll show about last week like i can't wait for that on ps5 let's go <laughs> give you a version of the same game and everything um <sighs> yeah josh what's your thoughts on where all the consoles are at and what's your thoughts on the uh, the oled switch I'm I'm in a strange position with it, right? Because you know, if if we look at like this year, like we're doing now, you know, mm. it's it's been a it's been a not great year, like just generally. But in this industry, especially, I feel like it's it's almost felt like kind of like not much is going on, and I feel like that's mm. more indicative of like the world at large rather than what's actually happened. You know, yes, a lot of games have been delayed. Yes, E3 might have been underwhelming. Yes, we still don't know Sony's plans for the next year or so. They've been completely radio silent, and there've been a lot of gaps along the way. But I think if you look in terms of the games, you know, so. Say Horizon hits this year. They've had Returnal, they've had Ratchet, yep. they've had Deathloop, they've had Horizon. Those are four huge exclusives. And I can't remember a year, even at the peak of the PlayStation 4, where they had four major blockbuster titles exclusive mm-hmm. to their console, like come out. Yeah, they might have had three. Yeah, they might have had two. But for the first year, I think that's pretty good. Like yeah, those don't are like stray, big- mate. And Stray, and Stray, that's the fifth one. But those are pretty good. Like, that's a lot to look forward to. That's way more than we got in 2014 out of Sony. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, if I look at the games, and look at the time I've spent with the games, you know, so far, Ratchet really enjoyed, Returnal really loved, you know, looking forward to Deathloop, looking forward to Horizon, now looking forward to Stray. You know, I feel like the games games are there, and they've they've justified my my, um, purchase so far, even if the general messaging has been all over the place. They're still delivering. I think it's kind of like an optics thing almost where the optics are kind of like bad across the board now. Like the companies, players are annoyed that the companies don't look like they're doing enough. But at the same time, the games are coming. And even Microsoft, where the games haven't necessarily been coming, the announcements have been good. Game Pass continues to be strong. And even with the OLED thing, yeah, 
we hyped the thing up entirely based on the fact that it was going to be this kind of like step up based on the fact that it was going to be a Switch Pro. But, you know, outside of those rumors... Says. Like, it was like, oh, it hey, is. we can do 4K and everything. That, yeah, that, not that blaming anyone at all for buying into them. I bought into them. But at the same time, even then, like, if you take those rumors away, take what they never promised in the first place away, <laughs> you know, that's pretty good. Like, it's all right. It's not going to be for everyone. It's certainly not going to be an upgrade, but it's a nice extra choice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel yeah. like in this world where everything is either the best or the worst, you know, it's hard to get some kind of middle ground. But I think overall, you know, there's been a lot of good, a lot of bad, but a lot of good, you know? No, there's definitely like, like every year. All things considered, there's like, yeah, like you said, there's definitely more good than bad. I think it's just one of those things where the more you start following everything that they put out in terms of different like public statements, the optics of it, it can seem like, especially on the Sony side, that they're sort of just rolling with whatever happened the previous month. It's like, well, well yeah, we're going to do cross-gen releases. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah we're going to do that. Can and I... it, kind of, it does feel a bit messy. Uh, so in terms of the DualSense, mm-hmm. how many people do you know have had them broke? Because I've had one break. My friends had one break. Josh, you've had one break, right? Yep. Yeah. Mine's uh, not yet. Not yet. I, I, another person, another friend, like a distance friend, had theirs breaks. That's like four I know have broken Ooh. so far, and um, Sony seemed pretty good at like sending them back. But at the same time, like that's a thing that I feel like it's just going to keep ha- happening as well. Like, mm. will we get a revision of the dual sense at one point where? It, it, dual sense, but better built now, better stronger. Well, I guess they'll have to do a, a version of the dual sense that has a way better battery life in it. Because if you play something like Return or Astro, that thing chews through battery. If you've got the Resident Evil as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. One thing about the dual sense that just came to my mind that I need to mention: uh, Do you think it's cheating? It because the dual sense activates, and you can feel it activate sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you ever played a game where you turn, you can. F- you can hear it activate. It's almost like in Resident Evil, you could tell you was about to come into a con- an encounter because the collective controller would go, and you're like, oh, okay, then <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, about yeah, to go yeah, into yeah. a naughty zone. Just that came to my, that, out of nowhere, wasting everyone's time. Sorry, everyone, but I just had to say that because that's that keeps coming back to my brain and that would always be like, oh, Thanks, controller. The thing is, though, like that is a valid point because, like, as soon as the OLED switch got announced, it was like, okay, have you guys fixed the Joy-Con drift issue? No, they haven't. Nintendo won't even acknowledge. Like, they'll fix it for you, but they won't say there was an actual problem because then they'd be facing a lawsuit. So it's just like, well, you know, if you're experiencing problems, let us know and we'll swap it out. But they never. It was never a red ring of death thing where they sort of got out there with a company-wide mandate to acknowledge it. So I'm curious whether the OLED switch is. Because the thing is, well, looking into the different versions of the Switch over the years, I remember there being a processor swap out in 2019. Um, so I looked that stuff up and they did change the um, the Tegra processor chip in 2019. So the version of the Switch Pro is a better battery life and a better processor than the one from 2017, albeit a minuscule amount. Other than that, it is the exact same Switch. There's nothing other than the, well, the Switch, uh, the uh, screen size. But um, there is that whole thing of, you know, like that idea of like as gamers, we sort of expect you kind of just put up with the issues. It's, ah, well, you know, there'll be another refresh around the corner. And I think the OLED switch is the most obvious looking like sort of barely there refresh that has been in quite some time and um, where a lot of people just looked yeah. at it and immediately knew that they didn't need it unless you want it for the screen. They did nothing wrong. I think the people got caught in the hype train and at the same time they've got history of this just by putting backlights or making something color at the same time. The 3DS like, XL was ridiculous. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. I forget. Yeah. That was the thing because I got a 3DS and then they put the uh, XL out and it was like, well, you can only play Super Nintendo games on the XL because we can't get them to work on the 3DS. And I'm like, are you actually, are you literally? Crim- <laughs> the, like, the only reason I never got a DS is because I remember the first one come out and it looked so ugly. And then I just couldn't <laughs> f- take that out of my mind. How trashy the first, like the was it a year it was out where it just looked like, I don't know, a prototype a or something. A clamshell thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just never got that mail. I keep my Game Boy Color with a purple crystal shell. Like, get out of my life. Hell yeah, you will. But the thing is, like, they're, they're very much known for this stuff. Like, I think that yeah. um, the thing that's really weird um, to round off all this stuff with the, the Switch Pro, the Switch OLED, whatever, because um, I haven't seen any follow-ups from Jason Schreier because it was his reporting on Bloomberg uh, taking one of the quotes from the um, display manufacturers that were helping out with the new size screens and the OLED screens, who also said it was the quote from that dude, said that um, he thought Nintendo were going for this uh, 4K-capable stuff. Um, and then I haven't really seen the, the Shrier follow-up, but I have seen a few different outlets saying, like, this is just a, a half-step. Like, you know, the, the sheer success of the Switch means that there will be a 4K Switch at some point in the future, if not next year. Um, do you think that is too many iterations, or is that just Nintendo being Nintendo? The thing is, like, there are six versions of the 3DS, if you split all the different processor types apart, um, just away from the 3DS and the 3DS XL. Um, so it's like, like I said, optically, we're more aware of this stuff than ever. But is that a bad move or do people actually still want a 4K switch? 
that's it, man. It's like it's Nintendo. They'll put out <laughs> as many versions as they want, and they can put out the OLED now to make a little bit of little bit of money, and then cost. maybe next year, maybe the year after, bring out a proper Switch Pro with like a bit a better processor, better internal system. You never know. I will say, in was it four years, five years, three versions of the Switch isn't that bad? Because because again, the one where you've got the Joy Cons attached. That if I was a human who was a parent, I would buy that for a child rather than yeah. the other one because I've almost broken mine playing like Mario Maker at some point. But at the same time, you think about the OLED switch. Didn't we have an OLED portable 10 years ago? And like, didn't we have land ports uh, 10 years ago? Because um, the oh, PS yeah. Vita was OLED, right? Well, the Vita, that's the thing. The Vita started yeah. with OLED. And yes, then... it's just like an yeah. upgrade that's t- a decade. Old. When you think <laughs> about that, they're adding LAN. They're like, yes, a LAN port after all oh. these years. And it's I just can like... finally download stuff. It's, it's quite funny when you think about jokes like that. But mm. I think it's fine. Like, make the new stuff if it's not going to. If it's not going to, oh, well, this is an OLED only game, then get out of here. Do yeah, one. Yeah. But it's not going to. So that's, I think it's at the end of the day, because parts, think of these screens that they've got. Like these screens must be running. People mustn't be making the old screens anymore. So they probably make sense for them to move forward with the times as it is. Yeah. I guess you'd assume that like over a long enough timeline, um, this will completely eclipse the original Switch. Like, I mean, if it, if it does have the same processor in as the 2019 model and it just is a better Switch, like across the board. Yeah. And assumedly that will become the one. And then they have the two main models, like this new OLED one yeah. and the lights. Yeah. With like the Xbox, I remember the 360 uh, had like three versions of that. And then the ps3 yeah. remember the last one like the toaster oven thing which was like <laughs> manually opening the top shell like i saw one of them in the wild and it made me want to be sick to be fair there's a, a really really budget looking uh version of the wii that nintendo put out right like overlapped with the wii u where it's just it's just a red system with a black tray that slides over the disc on the top that thing looks like it's fisher price but um, yeah. yeah, they're definitely, they do this stuff a lot. But um, overall, there's a lot to celebrate for 2021. We'll have a whole bunch of, um, you know, 2021 so far list. A few of them are already on the channel. Best games, worst games, things like that. Um, and we'll dive into a whole bunch of stuff going forward because it's it's a summer drought, lads. So we'll just we'll see what we can <laughs> find this time next week. But for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Roy Turner. I'm going to go back and play my PS3 right now. Good luck. <laughs> Josh Brown. I've got my old Switch, so I'm going to play that right now. So I've got an OLED my. Switch. Dropped £350. Don't worry about it. Cost it. Cost it. Cost it. You're the problem! <laughs> <laughs>